Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Book Journeys Radio. My name is Dr. Angela Loria. I am the author incubator, and I uh, am the creator of the different process for writing a book that matters. I'm so excited. My guest today is Sarah Seidelman. Sarah has written not one but two books that matter, um, and that I know personally have made a difference in, in my life and to many readers. Um, the first book I read of Sarah's is What the Walrus Knows, and um, what's really fun, and I hope we get to talk, to talk about today, is um, there's also a fantastic app for What the Walrus Knows. So hopefully we'll get to talk about that. It's a great way to integrate your book content into an app. And Sarah's latest book is called Born to Freak. So, um, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thrilled to be here. Yay. I should say Sarah is a business coach, a life coach. She's actually uh, a therapist. She is a shamanic oh, no, healer. I'm not a therapist. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, I don't call a, myself well, a therapist. Are you a medical doctor? Yeah, I'm, I'm a physician by training, but I don't do that yeah. anymore. Yeah, I left that to yeah to pursue shamanic healing, which is that a whole is, different yeah, ball of wax. Departure. Are you thinking you're yes. a psychologist, but you're actually a physician? Amazing. Right. Yep. And um, yeah, so she uh, so trained as a physician and now a, a life coach and shamanic healer, author, and uh, just all around uh, amazing healer. Uh, and and connector. So um, I am really excited. So Born to Freak is your newest book, and I know what the walrus yeah. knows really well. I um, tell me about uh, Born to Freak. Well, I basically wrote this as kind of a love letter to all the people out there who, like me, perhaps felt that they did not belong here on the planet or wherever they were, felt like they were not somehow fitting in or weren't understood. Um, and that was kind of my my own kind of experience and my own story. Um, and partially, you know, my, my experience of deciding to leave medicine and choosing a kind of moving in a different direction towards shamanic healing, which is basically, you know, where you're calling the spirits to help other people heal, which is a pretty radical departure. Um, it took a lot of, you know, facing my own, kind of learning how to, to step into that and to to step onto that path was a quite a process, and I learned a lot of things a lot of the along the way. And I wanted to kind of share some funny stories about how I embraced kind of my strange inner multitudes. You know, I think a lot of us have these, you know, funny things about us. You know, like I was a pathologist, but I also loved interior design and decoupage, and I mean, I became obsessed with animal totems and. You know, a lot of people would say, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, I would expect a pathologist to be sitting around looking in microscopes and, you know, be really interested in disease. And, I mean, I was, and that was also true. But I think that what makes us fascinating and I think what makes the world an amazing place is when each human kind of allows all those inner kind of funny, strange, some often kind of disconcerting to other people or maybe to society, those yearnings to come out and that we express those. And it makes for a pretty interesting life, too. So I kind of just tell a lot of self-deprecating and kind of revealing stories about my own life and what helped me to um, begin to kind of embrace and love my whole self, you know, not just the parts that some people liked, but maybe the Mm. parts that were 
less acceptable, <laughs> shall we say? So what is so the book is called Born to Freak. What is what is to freak mean to you, or what is what does that word freak mean to you? I mean, it means so many things. I mean, it means a lot of stuff to me, and it was the only word. I mean, words are so tricky, but it was the only word I could think of to ex- to explain what I was what I'm trying to get at, which is. Born to Freak, I guess, is born to be, you know, deliberate creators, to get out and do, to express ourselves in the very terribly unique ways that we are all capable of doing. Um, And so whether it's painting, drawing, writing books, dancing, you know, throwing parties, designing rooms, writing poetry, taking photos, you know, designing spreadsheets, whatever it is, you know, I just wanted to encourage um, and invite other people to kind of bring those those parts of themselves to light and bring them out to the surface and let them play and frolic. Because I think, I think people who are born to freak are people that are put here not to fit in, but to kind of be visionaries about what's coming next and to bring balance back to the world with their mm. strangeness, with their total uniqueness, you know. And uh yeah and that's how, that's kind of how it. so how is Born to Freak uh how how did that how did that become your second book? What's what the walrus knows about and how did one lead to the other for you? So what the walrus knows was, you know, as I was kind of I took my sabbatical from medicine, I took three months off, which eventually turned into six and eventually turned into not going back. I discovered this this ancient concept of animal totems, which is something that is like tens of thousands of years old, the idea that the animals, the wild animals that show up in our life, in our dreams, um, have great significance for us and have come bearing messages, also can come bearing power and bring certain gifts to us. Um, And I became absolutely like so interested in this, fascinated, obsessed, you might say, and it ended up being something, I ended up doing a podcast for a year, and I read every single book I could get my hands on on animal totems. And I, they were all fascinating. I learned a lot from each one, but one thing I recognized that was sort of missing was I was really longing for a book that was beautiful and that was funny and whimsical and had kind of a quality of lightness about it. Because what I noticed was a lot of them have a lot of heavy, dark stuff in them, which not that we don't all need to, you know, face our shadows and face what what maybe is, uh, you know, some of the more scary aspects of life, but I also knew that really sensitive people, people like myself, needed, like, encouragement and lightness, especially if we were struggling. And so that's why I was just like, I knew there were other books out there, and but I wanted to, I could see how it could be different, how it could be light, how it could be really playful and uplifting for people. And so it's really a collection of my own stories and stories from a podcast I did with another fellow Martha Beck coach, Tammy McCall, who's a fabulous coach. And um, people came on that podcast just to tell us the most incredible stories about their lives and the animals that cross their paths and their dreams. And it was just amazing. And I knew that it had, like the beasties, had a, the beasties have sort of a power greater than me. I mean, it was just something I wanted to share to help other people because it had helped me so much. So that's so kind of where that started. There, I think there are so many people that have an experience that something connects with them, like for you, animal totems, whatever it is that you have that connection. And people think, oh, I want to write a book, but yeah. they never actually finish it. They never sit down and do it, or they start it and they don't finish, or they think about it, or but then they have a lot of ideas and they don't know how to pick one. 
So for you, yeah. what was it that made you sit down and do it? What do you think was the driving factor? I think it was this, like, deep underneath everything, it was like the burning desire to share this work with other people in some way. And I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it, but I really wanted to try. And probably the key element for me, Angela, was contacting, making one phone call, which I made the phone call to Grace Karina, who ended up becoming my kind of a shepherd, if you will, for my book, both books, and and she's also helping me with my third um, what she does is she helped me to, like, if you're born to freak like me, you have a 100 ideas before breakfast. So ideas, the ideas mm-hmm. are not the problem. The problem is, and it's not really a problem, but the challenge is to corral those ideas and something into something tangible and to put some fences up in your pasture, if you will. So I kind of think of Grace as this, like, kind of maniacal, crazed Bo Peep who's trying to, like, get her hook around me. I'm like the sheep who's, like, frolicking in the meadow. <laughs> And she's like, get back here, you know, but in a kind and loving way. Like we worked out, I explained to her what I was trying to do, and she kind of fell in love with the idea too. She hadn't really done any thinking about animal totems. And so it just, she helped me to create the structure, so we worked on that part together. And then she became like my first critical reader and somebody to help me to go, does this make sense? Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? And um, really that, having help, getting help, I would say, like you can't, I don't think any nobody can create a book worth reading alone. I mean, maybe there's somebody out there. I don't know. I've never. I can't imagine. You need. What did you know? What did you know about your books before you started writing them? What did you envision, or what? What? What did you know you wanted your books to do? Yeah. Well, I knew I wanted it to be beautiful and visually like arresting so people would want to um just that it would be something so beautiful it could be given as a gift or something that you would keep close to you because you just enjoyed looking at the imagery and that that part of it was really important to me um the other thing was the element of just being whimsical and fun and and uplifting and and easy to digest like i didn't want to write a 1200 page book about animal totems although i could you know you know you could expand so many things but i think um yeah it was like i just wanted to to invite make it so inviting that it was also accessible to people who weren't into new age or were like oh my gosh that sounds native american i don't resonate or i don't think that's my spirituality or that doesn't belong to me therefore i can't explore it because i know i had some thoughts about that when i first encountered that work so i wanted to make it yeah accessible and 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 did you do that do you feel like you reached that goal most definitely like i mean one of the the funniest and most delightful aspects is how many kids and teenagers have read the book and i didn't intentionally write this book to be like at the level of like a nine-year-old, but apparently it resonates very well with nine-year-olds. Um, like friends of my friends, who's they mostly found this out through kids who I know. They're like, yeah, I read your book. You know, I'll come over to their mom's house for a glass of wine. They're like, I read your book last night. I figured out who I am and what, you know, they're kind of figuring out who their siblings are and what totems everybody is. And it's really fascinating, you know, how they, it's helped them to understand who they are and who their siblings are and, the thought that I could have touched teenagers, like, that is a kind of a real delight for me because I'm like, anything you can do to help an adolescent to understand their power and who they are, that's good stuff. 
you know. Absolutely. That so, really well, that's the next thing I was going to say is what were some of the things that surprised you? And I'm going to guess that you weren't planning on writing for a teen audience. No. Yeah, and I guess it's a, um, I guess it doesn't surprise me, but it continues to surprise me. All the awesome, like I'll get notes on Facebook or emails, just crazy stories that are so amazing about how, um, you know, they did a divination using the book or the app or an animal crossed their path and then they looked something up about the animal and how that message just hit home. And just the stories, like how touching that is. And I know because it's, I know it's not, it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do with these, the power of these, these spirits or these ideas and concepts once people understand them to just lighten the load of life, you know, and to make you understand, to help people understand that they're not alone and that there's help out there for all of us, you know, if we're looking for it, we can, we can begin to see help everywhere. And, and animals are just, well, what were some of the, um, you know, what were some of the less pleasant surprises? What are the, some of the things that you had to learn the hard way that other people that are thinking about writing a book um, that you wish? Oh you gosh, yes. The hard part about writing a book, I wouldn't say. Well, I mean, there was cha- there were challenges writing the book. There's always the fear, like who do you think you are? You know, the vampires. There's a great video called "Die Vampires Die," which I ha- highly recommend you watch on YouTube if you're struggling with the feeling that you don't. Who are you to write a book? And you have nothing unique to say. Or every every book's already been written on this topic. Why do you think you're so uh-huh. great? You should write a book. Because that's a common thing. But once you get through that and you get the book, I think the hardest thing was I remember, and I think I talked to you shortly after this time, you know, the book comes out or the book's about to come out, and then you realize you've climbed the mountain of writing the book, but now the mountain to climb is the the marketing mountain, if you choose to Mm -hmm. climb it. I mean, I think you have to decide what you're willing to do or not willing to do to market your book. But you just realize that that's just a whole other part of the process, and and. I think you don't need to totally worry about it or anything. It's just that talk, beginning to talk about your book or inviting people to share your book and, you know, how, what is marketing going to look like. Um, and, again, with that, gosh, get help, ask for help. Um, I think that, yeah, that was probably the one sort of, I don't want to say nasty surprise, but you're like, it's so great, I'm done with my book. And, you know, you're dancing around the kitchen and then you're like, and then somebody says, well, well, nobody's really ever going to find out about your book unless you know you market it. <laughs> like, what? No, you know? no. And I, it's hard, you know, to hear that because you've been working so hard on this beautiful thing. But on the other hand, I think that's part of the learning and the the process too. And um, when so you just decide to face for you, what have been the best and worst things about marketing your book or your book? Gosh, um, the best. Things I think the most fun thing for me, I love doing interviews or talking with people about um, the book, so that part has been fun. Um, let me think. What's been challenging? You know, what's really great is when you have people that just love the book, one of the books, and they, like, talk about it to other people. I mean, it's just word of mouth, you know. And it, So if you have – I mean, I think that that's the most wonderful aspect when you see somebody like quoting your book or saying, "Oh, I, you know, I read this and this," and they share it. I mean, it's just like there's so much generosity out there of people to share things, um, and to you know to get reviews and things like that. Um, I think you have to. One thing I've learned is like when people send me a message now saying, oh, "You know, oh my gosh, this 
book really spoke to me, I'm not shy about now saying, oh, my gosh, thank you, and, you know, obviously addressing somebody, but also saying, hey, if, you know, if, if, if it feels good, I'd love for you to write a review on Amazon or wherever you feel like it, if that's something that feels good, because that really helps the book to get seen. Because when you, you know, as you mm. know, when you have, you know, 100 reviews on Amazon versus two reviews, people are much more likely to say, hey, this looks like a book worth reading. Maybe I'm going to try it. A hundred other people said so, you know. Um, yeah, well, so unless you have the Amazon algorithms will push your book up and it will show up more if you have more reviews. So there absolutely. are some logical reasons. Yeah. And the, probably the best tip I ever got about marketing was um, – was like to focus all your try to get all your sales on of on when your book launches on one day, and so we did like a like a call in for like an hour and a half or two hours. We called it like the animal totem party or something. Everybody could call in with questions, and it was so much fun. And that way, you know, we tried to get everybody to buy anybody who's going to buy the book to buy it that day. And that day, like the the what the walrus knows went to number one in its category, which of course it didn't stay there. Right on Amazon, but it was really cool to think, wow, you know, you know, we drove it up, and that's pretty, and it's fun to be able to say, hey, you know, we had it went to number one. I don't know. That You're an Amazon kind of bestseller. Yeah, for one day, and that's okay. You know, it's not every day. Yeah, absolutely. But, maybe, but that's what you're working towards, or you know, it's kind of having that goal in the back of your mind, but. And so um, so we talked about some of the challenges that you have faced in terms of promoting the book. But let's go back and let's talk about the process of writing your book. What were some of the things that came up for you? Did you have writer's block? Did you get stuck? What were some of the challenges that you faced in the writing process? Let's see. Like the Born to Freak book, I think, um, because that book is a lot more confessional and it's a lot more kind of going for my own jugular, if you will, telling some stories about myself, not all of which are very attractive. <laughs> like I had somebody the other day go, I feel like I know so like it was somebody in town who had somehow got a hold of my book in my you know, in my city that I live in, who does you know, it just was like, I feel like I know you really well now and I got the impression she wasn't sure she you know, really liked what she was reading and I was like, Oh man, that's a little hardcore. But so so that was difficult, I think, just facing that fear of, Oh my god, because you don't know what's gonna happen when you let people see these stories about yourself and what will people think and blah blah blah. So there's that. I think the other thing that I How learned was, you know, what what advice did you know you what I did all the time. Oh yeah, what I did, <laughs> well, being a shamanic person, like that's sort of my life. Um, I went and journeyed and talked with my spirit. In fact, I talked with Elsie Elephant, who is in the book, and she does not mind being publicly known. In fact, she wants more people to know about her. So I would go to Elsie Elf and I'd be like, Alice, you know, like, what am I going to do? Like, I'm just freaked. I'm scared. Like, what's going to happen? Show me what's going to happen. Show me what's going to happen. Or what, how am I, how can I make this better? How can I, I'm just asking all these questions. And most of the time what would happen when I would go is we would, like, drop through the floor. Basically it felt that way. And we'd be just free-falling in space. And I'd be like, what is happening? And then she would just be laughing. She's just like, enjoy the free fall. And it was just this I, this concept of, like, you don't get to know what's going to happen, but you, you know, you gotta you got to do this. And it's just like, okay, you know. 
And and it wasn't in a mean way, like, ha, 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 fall through the floor and, you know, you might die. It was more like, you know what, you don't get to know everything. And sometimes you just have to take that leap or, you you know. And she wasn't saying, oh, and the net will appear. She was just like, we're falling, you know. We're falling and falling and falling, and who knows when we're going to land, if we're going to land, you know. So take that as you will. But, I mean, it made me laugh at myself, and I went, all right, I get it. i got to just keep going. What would you so so here's the thing that comes up for me a lot when I'm posting um people that are writing memoirs is there's a story they want to share or a series of stories they want to share, but they're worried about what the person they're talking about will think, so oh, yeah, it's a former boss or their mother or whatever they're like, I know this is just my experience, I feel like I need to share it in order to in order to tell the story, but I also feel like I'm gonna hurt this person. And so what would you yeah. post somebody with the thought, like, this book, like, I'm trying to help people with my book, but I could hurt this person who I tell this story about? Yeah. Well, I'm a big proponent of um, involving people. Like, if you're going to tell a story, for sure, asking people permission to tell that story. Uh, but, you know, of course there are topics that are, you know, you know, when you're talking about writing in a way that feels kind of dangerous either to your relationship or even, you know, physically dangerous to you because you're writing about a topic like a reporter does sometimes about something that they may be threatened, like Martha Beck's a wonderful example, Leaving the Saints. I mean, that book, mm. uh, she got death threats for writing that book. I think you have to, um, you can tell your truth, uh, you know, sometimes in a way I think uh, – I think it was Anne Lamott who gave the advice. It was hilarious. I heard this the other day from Martha Beck. Anne Lamott gives the advice, you know, write about your mother as if she's already dead. <laughs> like, um, but as Martha Beck pointed out, Anne Lamott never wrote about her mother until she was dead. Or I don't even know if she's written about her mother yet. Right. Martha goes, I made the mistake of writing about my mother, and she's not dead yet. You know, and so she took that advice. <laughs> like, it was pretty hardcore. So I think you have to really do some soul searching about what story do you really want to tell? Like, what do you want to be notorious for? How can you tell your truth? Um, and if it feels like you're being terribly hurtful to another person, um, I think it's just a place for you to explore. I mean, I don't think there's a right or wrong answer because I think everybody's got to do what they've got to do. Um but I do tell some stories in here. Um, some of the stories when I do and when I did talk about other people, I I shared what I was writing with them to get their permission, um, and I did get that permission. Uh, one of the stories I talk, I tell a story about my son George, who's 16, and it was a story about him uh, on the day he was supposed to go to football camp, and he basically went and hid in the bushes and a lot of other things, but. I mean, it didn't make him look like the most particularly spectacular person, and I looked absolutely terrible in the story. Um, but I did ask his permission to tell that story because I thought, well, that might be, like, embarrassing, horrifying, or maybe it's it's none of my business, and he doesn't want me to tell it. You know, it's his story to tell, really. But um, So I think it's just something to carefully consider. What is it, you know, what is the truth that you have to tell? And it's, you know, only you can tell your aspect of the story, of course. You can't really tell... Right. I, mean, I guess you can tell other people's stories, but you've got to, you know, the truth from your facet of it. And I'm working on my third book. That's really been something I've been thinking about because I'm thinking about, I'm sort of writing about a 
trip I took to India where I was with a particular uh, ashram of yogi people. And anyway, it's just interesting because you, how do you talk about that? Everybody's going to know exactly who this organization is. So I want to talk about it in a respectful manner. I'm not there to trash it, but I'm there to ask questions. Right. Because from my point of view, I had a lot of questions about things. Right. So that's a really wordy answer, but... Yeah, no, but I think it's something that as a writer, if you don't confront these challenges head on, you end up Mm -hmm. sabotaging your work or facing writer's block or slowing down or not being able to finish your story or figure out where the story goes because you're not addressing what the actual issue is, is, which is how do I want to show up in this story? How do I want to tell it? And being sort of present and conscious for those decisions. Yeah. And fiction's a wonderful way to explore these things. I mean, I've thought about that a couple times, like with this India story. Because fiction, you can say whatever you want, and you can tell everybody's story. I mean, you can have a lot of fun, I would think. And, you know, there. I would also invite, you know, invite somebody to find somebody that they really like who's told true stories. How did they, how did they do what they do, you know, study their craft? Because I think as a writer, we have to read a lot <laughs> to be to become better at what we're trying yeah. to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and there's so, so much great you, memoir. Yeah, I know in your case, you self-published your book. Um, yes. W- did you consider trying to get a book contract? How did you make that decision to self-publish? With the What the Walrus Knows, I was just like, I need this book out now. I mean, it was like a feeling of like, it just has to happen. And so anything that, when it was all done and ready to publish, I did in the final hour approach a couple book distribution companies and got turned down. And I was just like, that's fine. We're just doing it. Because I just knew I had to get it in the hands of other people. It was like just a feeling that I couldn't wait. Um, Not in a bad way. I was just so excited to share with people. And I was getting so many emails. Hey, tell me about this. What do you think about this encounter? But, you know, I was just like, here, and now I can hand this book to you. So because now you can, um, Um, you know, you can have this in your hands. We have something to talk about. Um, I will um, the tell free- you. Oh, go ahead. Oh, we lost you for a minute there. Lost you for a oh, minute. We did. I'm not Uh-oh. sure where you went. Yeah. So we were talking about um, we were talking about publishing your book, and um, with your first book, you wanted to get it out quickly. With your second book, you what was your decision there? I think the same. I just felt like there was a real, and right now I don't feel that way at all. Now I just sort of feel like I want to make the third book. I, it's okay if it takes longer. Um, the Born to Freak book too. I just felt like this. I'm wanting this out. It's like <laughs> I don't know. You know, I guess it's just one of those intuitive things. Um, and, and maybe it, also because I just I wasn't sure who I would, yeah, I guess I just didn't know. It just sounded exhausting to go trying to shop it to a bunch of people, like as, you know, for an agency or, you know, that kind of thing. And I was just like, I'm ready to let this baby out, and we'll see where it goes, what happens. And I'm already on to the next thing. By the time, I mean, that book was done, I was already thinking about what am I going to write, you know, this India story, which I was already working on. And so um, would you recommend self-publishing to other people? Has it been a a positive experience for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think if you're interested in getting your book out and you want to, you know, um, have a lot of creative control over what it looks like, I think it's awesome. 
Um, I think the challenges are getting your book distributed, getting people to know about your book, like we just talked about, because um, unless you're going to do like a 120 book city city book tour, or unless you're incredibly um, you're famous, you know, I mean, I think then it's not a problem either. <laughs> but when you're right. lesser known and you don't have a big platform, um, you know, the other the but the bright side is that you don't need a huge platform. You don't have to sell that many books. Like I was just looking, like my most recent book report said I had sold 200 copies, like eBooks and solid books during that month period, that 30-day period. And that's not, you know, 10,000 copies or, you know, 100,000 copies, but it's enough right now that it's helping me pay for my VA, (laughs) you know, and that's huge for me because it's supporting me in doing my work. So is it paying our mortgage? No, but um, I think if you're just ready and you want to start putting books out there, like we've seen, like you've got a program to to hatch Kindle singles, and I mean the average Kindle single, if it gets accepted in the program, is making $22,000. I mean, I haven't made that much on both of my (sighs) books combined yet, but I think that's really exciting that the formats can be so short and can be – you don't have to take so much time. You know, it doesn't right. you don't have to wait all these years for publication. We've got about a minute left and just in that last minute I just wanna say if somebody really wants to write a book and they haven't been able to make that dream come true yet, but it's something that's in their heart and they know it's in their future, they just don't know how to do it, what in our final seconds would you say to them as as a parting word of advice? Get writing and write like a motherfucker, <laughs> meaning write courageously. Like this is not easy work. It's difficult, but do it anyway and get help. Get help. And get Support. help. And get help. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Sarah Scheidelman <laughs> is uh, the author of What the, Walrus, uh, what the Walrus Knows. She is the author of Born to Freed. You can learn more about her at followyourfeelgood.com. That's followyourfeelgood.com. Sarah, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Angela. And keep writing, everyone. Keep writing. (laughs) Yay, keep writing. Well, we will be back next week on Book Journeys Radio where we are changing the world one book at a time.